Welcome to the Soar Podcast, the place for creative entrepreneurs with limitless dreams and unconventional stories. I'm your host, Ray Hyde Cornell, founder and business mentor at Chiron Consulting and CEO and senior copywriter at Cornell Content Marketing. My goal is to bring you stories of what's possible so you can never tell yourself that your dreams are impossible. All right, on today's episode, we have Dr. Piper Gibson. Dr. Piper, tell us about what is your business? Yes, I am the founder and owner of Regenerating Health. So I help scared, frustrated, overwhelmed parents get access to the tools and education they need to start reducing their child's tick disorder symptoms naturally. Oh, wow. Wow. So that sounds like a very emotional and yet the medical logical pragmatic side it sounds like you're doing a lot of personal support in your day absolutely it is it is it is very emotional it's emotional for parents because they feel lost in a diagnosis because the conventional approach for tick disorders so tick disorders just briefly is really the beginnings of Tourette syndrome um, uncontrollable movements either vocal or motor and most conventional approaches for tick disorders, parents are told to just ignore it and you wow. have to watch your child struggle. And it's, it is very emotional. So I feel like this is something that a lot of us who go into business experience where the rest of the world, the rest of the industry says, do one thing when you in your expertise know mm, that's really not the best. How do you grapple with that almost like inborn tension between you, this solopreneur running your own operation and then the rest of your industry? It is very much about teaching people a whole complete brand new mindset Um, because we are really, from the time we're, we're born, we're inbred with this idea that our doctor can fix us. And I know I was raised that way. And I know we approached my son's tick disorder that way. But, you know, for a lot of parents that are struggling, it's about teaching them how to step out of the box and really look at those connections with what's going on inside their child's body and the symptoms that they're experiencing. So have you had to do extra work to position yourself as an authority because you do take a different approach? Absolutely. A lot of extra work. So I am not a physician. I am a doctor of holistic nutrition. I am a traditional naturopathic doctor and I'm board certified in natural medicine. So everything I do do is holistic and natural. And people think when they hear holistic, they think, oh, she's woo woo. She's going to rub some crystals on you and (laughs) sage you. And like, no, we are looking at the connection for the whole body. How is your body impacted by diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation? Like what is going on? Um, and so I did do a lot of work to really kind of set myself apart. And a, a lot of my experience though, comes from dealing with my own, my own son's health. Yeah. And I think that's a real common thread among entrepreneurs is we get into our line of service or our line of work because of something that happened in our personal lives, whether it's something like, you know, um, maybe someone went through a traumatic experience and then they want to help other people overcome those traumatic experiences. Or in my experience, 
I started out as a copywriter. I burned out multiple times along the way, writing blog posts for car dealerships and car brands for $25 a pop and just lost my mind doing this, you know, work for pennies and eventually figured my way out of it. And so now I teach other freelancers how to build healthier businesses that actually nurture their sanity rather than steal it. And so it sounds like you had a very similar journey in that way as well. You had something happen in your personal life that inspired your professional career. Absolutely. 10 years ago, my son was diagnosed with a neurological tick. I mean, he was fine one day, one day and the next day he was twitching and saying words repeatedly. And we were just, mm-hmm. what is going on? And we got this diagnosis and we went from doctor after doctor. We tried you know, 10 different doctors. We tried eight different prescriptions. Um, and I just knew like in my soul that something else was going on in his body, that it wasn't just, oh, he has a tick and it's a neurological problem. No, something else was causing us. It's like a light switch was turned on. And so that really set me down this path that if what I currently believed wasn't helping, then I needed to change my own mindset. And I had to go back to school and relearn everything I thought I knew about health and wellness in order to help my own child. And so now I take that knowledge and I educate parents on how they can do the same thing with their kids. Yeah. So tell me about how you actually transitioned into this line of work, because you started to tell me before we went on air and it was such a good story that I had to refrain from asking you any more questions because I want you to share it with our listeners. So tell me about this, this experience of transitioning careers. Yeah, I had, as long as I can remember, wanted to be a fashion designer thinking so glamorous and I want to design clothes and I wanted people to wear my clothes and I wanted to be this famous fashion designer. I had always dreamed about that ever since I was, I don't know, probably like 10 or 12. I was a little kid and I went to college. I got a degree in fashion design. I mean, I worked at Neiman Marcus for a little while. When I graduated, I got a job with a denim manufacturer. I was like, oh man, this is so awesome. Designing and marketing and and buying. I thought, oh man, this is going to be great. Um, And it was like somebody poked a balloon and like the air was going. It was so deflating and it was not anything I imagined though. (laughs) My boss was a tyrant and it was really like, take this cut out and make sure that this pocket fits on this jean. Like it wasn't Mm. the glamorous lifestyle that, that I thought it was going to be. And so when my son got sick, I knew that, you know, well, one, I knew the fashion industry was not for me after I dealt with that. Um, and I had tried a couple of other things after I, I left the fashion industry, but I knew when my son got sick, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to help him. But then I became so passionate about it that I was like, this is my path. This is what I need to do. And that so many people out there need, need my support. Yeah. So it's almost like you, you had this dream for so long that didn't live up to the hype. It did not live up to the hype at all. Zero, not not one single bit. I mean, I was six months in and I was like, this was the biggest mistake I've ever made. It was just not what I dreamed of. How did you, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, what did you grapple with to go from, I've been dreaming about this and working towards this for so long. I've invested so much into this path. 
how did you wrestle with that transition and ultimately find a path that you trusted wasn't going to end up the same for you? Yeah. I, and you know, I, after I decided fashion was not for me, I tried a couple of other things. I did spend five years uh, working for the American Red Cross doing marketing and public relations. And I did really enjoy that. Um, I had kids. I tried a couple of other, you know, direct sales business. I tried, I even at one point had a little clothing boutique with my mom and my sister, but I was already on this path with my son that I was so passionate about it that I just felt like, like, like God was speaking to me. You you're working in the wrong department. You should be working in genes, genetics, not genes, denim. And so, you know, really just was led down this path that I never imagined. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone if someone's listening to this right now and they are kind of succumbing to that, uh, what's it called? The sunk cost fallacy of I've poured so much into this. I can't abandon this pathway. I've either gotten degrees in it, or I've been working in it for so many years, but they just know something in their soul. They just know that this isn't right for them. What would you tell them? Don't be miserable. Do not settle for being miserable. And I know that change is scary and thinking, oh my gosh, I put in so much time and money. You have to consider that all of the training that you had earning that degree or working in that business or that industry, those are, you learned skills along the way. You learned skills that are going to help you in your own entrepreneurial journey if that's where you're headed. So you have to consider, hey, I've done all this training and maybe, hey, it's not specific for fashion design, but I've learned tons of skills. I learned tons of marketing. I learned tons of PR that I could then turn around and use in my own business. So don't settle for being miserable. Really look at what you've learned as a set of skills and how you can transition that into something that you're passionate about. Yeah, I love that advice. And I think there's a natural grieving period. So for example, I went through something very similar where all of my degrees are in psychology. I have one degree in criminology and yet I run a content marketing agency. And it took me a long time to get over the bitterness of my degrees and feeling like I wasted all this time, all this money, all this energy before I realized, well, no, actually all of that educational experience, all of my internships and work in mental hospitals and community counseling centers and drug rehab facilities taught me how people interact with words, how they react, how their emotions play a part in decision-making, how they choose to bring things into their lives or remove things from their lives in order to serve their deeper motivations, which all goes into copywriting and yeah. building messaging for brands. But it took me a while to get there. Did you also go through that sort of like grieving and almost like you had to transform lemons into lemonade kind of experience? I don't think that I went through a grieving period because I had my hands full with, mm. with a sick, a chronically ill child. And so yeah. my hands were really full. I didn't have time to think about like any other options. I was like, okay, some, something has to change. Um, so I don't feel like I really went through a grieving period, but I feel like looking back, I'm like, I do do a lot of, man, if I had known then what I know now, I never would have 
I never would have gone for that degree. I would have done something completely different, but I think we were all led down that certain path for a reason. And I definitely know I was. Yeah. What pieces from that experience of going down the fashion industry, do you feel like, you know what, I had to have that experience or I had to have that awakening in order to get to where you are today? Yeah. I mean, it really definitely taught me how to deal with some not so great bosses. Mm. Sure. Um, you know, it really taught me, it taught me that I don't want to be in a job or a position or a business where I'm miserable. Like if I don't, if I don't love it, if I'm not passionate about it, there's got to be something else out there. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like I definitely learned to deal with people being in this passion industry. I mean, you're always dealing with people. So definitely learning people skills was a big key to that. And now you do work with people. You work with Mm -hmm. people at some of their most challenging and most stressful times. Do you feel like that experience from the fashion industry has allowed you to become a better practitioner? I do. I do think it has because it it really, when you're dealing with people, they're not all the same personality. And so it's really giving me some good skills to how am I going to help this panicked mother who just goes under a tailspin and how am I going to help this mother who is terrified to make diet changes and how am I supposed to help you know this mother and that mother and really help them to be guided through those changes so it it has helped in the fact that not everybody's the same personality and you need to learn to deal with those those specificities what has it been like for you growing your holistic nutrition practice as a solopreneur, I mean, this is something that you are literally building on your own two feet, on your own shoulders, as opposed to the fashion industry where you walk into a Neiman Marcus, you walk into a Nordstrom's, you walk into a fashion house that already exists. Yeah, you know, it has been definitely a learning journey. Um, I have found that as I slowly got clients that one of the best things was for my successful clients to really spread the word. Um, It's really helped me to create a very referral based business because when my clients are successful and they go out and say, you know, working with Piper was magical. She helped us do all of these things. And, you know, it's really changed our lives. People hear that and they want to know more. They want to know. And especially when you see somebody you haven't seen. So you're out on the street and they see you and your child and you have, they're like a different child. Parents will ask you, what, what did you do? It's it's like a different child. What happened? And then when you start telling them, you know, it really has been um, a great thing for me to learn as far as leaning on my own clients. Yes, they lean on me, but to lean on them to really kind of send me those referrals once they have been successful. I think that's something that, you know, especially as service-based entrepreneurs, we have people listening who are writers, designers, VAs, social media managers, photographers, personal trainers. I mean, it, it runs the gamut, but we all hope that the services we provide inspire our clients to tell everybody else, tell the world, send me all the people who need my help. But what you said was that you deliberately decided to build a referral-based business. So what does that look like in practice? You know, I, at first, I 
clients would just come to me, hey, so-and-so referred me. And so at first, very simply, I would give that particular client you know, a discount on their next, next session. But now when you know I let my clients know, hey, if you refer someone to me, make sure that they say that they came from you because I am going to give you a bonus for that. So you know, I do reward my clients for referring other people to me but it's really helped me to grow my business, make my business successful. It's helped me to get more and more testimonials. Um, and so that that's really been um, a key piece of my business is really, really having those referrals. So if someone were listening to this and they wanted to build a referral system into their business, what would you say are kind of the, the key check boxes that they need to tick off, you know, in terms of bonuses or some sort of incentive structure or emails or, you know, what does that look like in terms of building what you need in order for it to operate? You have to look at what you also have to offer your clients in return. I mean, they don't have to go out and refer someone to you. So look at what you have. Do you have handouts? Do you have guides? Would it benefit you like me when I first started to maybe give them a discount on their session? Um, or do you have like a, a real referral based program where you're going to give your client a percentage of, of that package? So let's say that you do packages, I do packages and you, somebody comes to you and you have a good referral program. You can say, okay, I'm going to give you 5%. If they, you know, get my big VIP package, you're going to get 5% of that. Um, and so you can offer percentage based money. I mean, money, money talks, money. Money, money is a good option for people. Um, and it's worked well for me to be like, okay, you know, I'm going to give you um, a bonus, a percentage when your people sign up with me. I think one thing that a lot of creatives in particular, and also those who are in similar arenas to you, where they're in either the healing arts or maybe they're energy healers or spiritual guides. I'm thinking in particular of, um, we had Robin Wald on in late 2021 um, and she's an astrologer. And so and a lot of her business is referral-based as well, which is why I bring her up. But I feel like a lot of creatives and people who do service feel like it's almost taboo to attach money to the gratitude of thank you for sending someone my way. What would you say to that? I would say, what's your love language? Because mm-hmm. you, you, that may make a difference for you deciding what is a good reward. And, you know, all of my clients have been super responsive to it, super grateful for it. And it's not like I'm paying you for your referral. Um, it's not like, here's your, here's your check, but it's, here's your reward, your, your thank you. I'm so grateful for you. And I let them know that, you know, I'm not just sending them money. I'm just, thank you so much for your referral. It means the world. Um, and so I want to give them, you know, they're getting those words of affirmation. They're also getting gifts of money. Um, but really looking at how you can combine some, some love languages and maybe your love language into how you serve those clients that are sending referrals to you. I think that's fantastic advice because it really makes that business model have more of a human quality when you're talking about your love language, how you express your gratitude, how you provide acts of service. And it's important to know how your audience in particular Mm -hmm. uh, prefers 
to receive it's weird to say how your clients prefer to receive your love, but really that's what we're talking about is how do they prefer to interact with you on that level when you show their, mm-hmm. your gratitude? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, where can people check you out online if they want to learn more about you, your business and your services? Yeah, you can find me at regenerating.health. So www.regenerating.health. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Regenerating Health. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Piper. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, it's Ray again. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, YouTube, and more. And want to be a guest on the show or know someone who has an amazing story of entrepreneurship? Apply on our website at www.chironconsulting.us slash podcast.